in case you can't tell there is something happening in this place today come on anybody believe that with me there's an anointing of the Holy Ghost that is in this place Jesus name Jesus name amen go ahead and stand with me if you're able to we're going to get directly into the word of the Lord I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and kind of bounce through some verses there. And uh, while you're turning to that, just make a couple of very quick announcements here very quickly. Of course, we welcome all of our guests that are in the house. Let's let all all of our guests know how much we appreciate them. Thank you for being here today. And uh, I know that we're living in some unique times. And uh, we certainly appreciate you coming and worshiping with us today and being a part of what God is doing here. And uh, you should have received an email from me this week. Of course, we're uh, actively and and consistently monitoring the situation regarding uh, COVID-19. And uh, we we sent you an email about that. We are certainly uh, encouraging the wearing of masks. I've got mine right here. And uh, we certainly uh, encourage that. And But we also are asking everybody, let's be respectful of each other. There's strong opinions all the way around, and we're going to be Christian about it. Amen? And so uh, we do want to be, our, our position has been from the outset, is that we're going to be careful and not fearful and bold but not reckless. And that's our our guiding strategy through all of this and certainly we have many friends and family that are being affected by this now and uh, many pastors that that we're aware of are are dealing with this so please keep those families in prayer we want to do everything we can uh, to we're thankful I was in prayer yesterday and I just had to take a moment and thank God for his hand that's been on this church amen Amen. And that doesn't mean that it can't hit, but we're going to believe by faith that he's going to continue to protect us. We're going to do everything that we can, and we're trusting him that through it all, he's going to see us through. Amen? Amen. Immediately following service, we have our first few student ministries barbecue dinner. If you pre-ordered your meal, we only had a set amount that we could do. But we're asking you so you don't walk through the daycare area that's already been sanitized and ready for school tomorrow. So we're asking you to drive around and use the gym entrance on the other side. Make sure you do that. We appreciate the Ludwigs doing this. It's been a burden of theirs and a passion of theirs for a long time. We're thankful for their burden for this. And all of that is going to First Youth Student Ministries. Amen. Wednesday at 7 p.m. is online only this Wednesday. If you missed Wednesday night's service, please do yourself a favor and go back and watch Samuel's message about mercy sends a whale. And it was powerful, tremendous word of God. And uh, so this Wednesday will be online only. Of course, next Sunday, Kid City, great uh, time again in here at 10 o'clock from 10 to 1020 Family Worship. And uh, we do want to give you an opportunity to give. You can give online or you can give by going to our church website or at the conclusion of service in our final act of worship, you can drop off your offering on your way out. Mother's Memorial offering is due shortly, so make sure that you get that turned in today if at all possible. Today is Capital Stewardship Sunday. Anybody see what's going on out over here? We're getting there, y'all. It's coming, and we're excited about that. We're thankful. Uh, for the progress and through all of COVID and everything that's going on, we're still uh, just about on target. Keep keep in prayer. There are a couple of items that are being held up because of uh, slowdown in manufacturing on some of the items. and uh, But we're still targeting September for our grand opening for our daycare. We'll have more information about that with you. I want, to, I want us to do today on Capital Stewardship Sunday... Uh, we're, we've been doing our prayer of blessing, and it has been amazing that through all of this, the divine provision of God for his people. Anybody thankful that he is a provider? We've had people that have gotten promotions and raises, people that have gotten money, and we understand it's not about money, but we understand this, that when we give to the Lord, he's a faithful scorekeeper. Amen. 
And when you place his kingdom first, his promise was that all of these things would be taken care of. So we're going to ask you to join with us today in this prayer of blessing. And again, we've said this many times, but I want to just remind you, this is not just about money. He's a comforter. He's a friend. He's a strength. He's our hope. Amen. Join with us. They're going to have it on the screen. And we're going to pray this out loud together. Let's do this together in Jesus' name. Upon the authority of your word I have given. And it shall be given to me. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe and offering today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked. The curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. You pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, royalties received, my whole family saved and walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. All that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's thank the Lord today. I believe by faith that God gave us a promise that some way, somehow, that building out there is going to be completely paid off, completely debt-free in Jesus' name, and be able to fund missions for generations. Anybody believe that with me today? Believe it's going to happen. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1 says this, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received, we do not lose heart. I want everybody to say that with me again. We do not lose heart. Skip down to verse number seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh so then death is working in us but life in you verse number 15 all this everybody say all this all of this is for your benefit Somebody say, sure don't feel like it. He said, all of this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Everybody say, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. It's working for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to preach for just a little while this morning. The storm has a purpose. The storm has a purpose. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we love you today. 
And God, we are so thankful for your goodness and your mercy and for your grace and for your power. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is in this place. God, I pray for a spirit of encouragement to sweep across this house. God, I pray that we would recognize that you're working on our behalf, even through hardships and troubles and trials. And God, I pray that you'd help us today to have spiritual ears to hear, that we would receive into our spirit the things of God. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Air high five six or seven folks around you and tell them your storm has a purpose. In this passage of scripture there at the end and, and in other places in scripture, the book of Romans, it talks about how that, that spiritual things are seen and understood by natural things, right? That, that we have insight. See, the things, the things that are happening in the natural, sometimes it seems random or maybe it doesn't have purpose, but the reality is the things that the way God ordained it and designed it was that, that the things that are happening around us in nature have purpose. They reveal to us spiritual concepts and spiritual principles. Jesus was the master of taking physical uh, examples and translating those into spiritual examples. He, he used, for example, he talked about the seed, how the seed had to go into the ground and die for it to bring forth life. Something that those that were familiar with farming could readily and easily understand. He talked about how that the good shepherd would go and try to find that one lost sheep and would not stop until he found that lost sheep. And over and over and over again, Jesus would take the things that are in the natural and translate those to help us to understand spiritual concepts and spiritual principles. We do this still today. We talk about things. We, we say that, that we're on the mountaintop, right? And we understand when we're talking about being on the mountain, it's a, it's a moment, it's a time of our life, it's a season where blessing and favor and the goodness of God, we're at the heights, we're close to heaven, we're experiencing the glory and the power of God. But, but, but the opposite of that, we also have the valley moments, Amen. We have those moments where it seems as though maybe God has forgotten us, that, he's, that he's, he's nowhere to be found, that we're going through dark times and difficult places. David referred to it as the valley of the shadow of death, difficult places and difficult times. One example that we find in nature that has scriptural and biblical principles is a storm. How many of you love a good storm? Anybody? We got any storm chasers? Y'all listen, if you, if you want to go chase a good storm, you just give me a call because I'm all about it. You know, I come from a, I come from a place, central Illinois, where, uh, you know, the, the, the tornado siren came so regularly. As a matter of fact, I think it happened yesterday. I think they had tornado sirens yesterday where it happened so regularly that it just kind of became second nature. Oh, there's another tornado siren. And so, so it was not uncommon uh, when we'd hear the tornado sirens. We'd try to figure out where it's at, what's going on, and we'd get in the car and try to go find these storms, storm chasers. In the natural or in the spiritual, I'm not chasing any storms. Come on, somebody. I have no interest in chasing storms, but the reality is whether you want them or not, storms are going to happen in your life. Storms can be very unexpected things that kind of pop up out of nowhere. I played in a golf tournament on Tuesday and, 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 and Corey kept saying to us, oh man, it's not, we're not going to get hit by this storm. It's going to go around us. Forecast says it's going to split around and we're, we're not going to get hit by this. And when I tell you it rained, y'all, I'm saying lightning and it downpoured on us. So don't ever listen to Corey when it comes to forecast, weather forecast. <laughs> He's a great youth pastor, horrible weather forecaster. Storms are a part of life. All of us in this room have testimonies about going through storms. 
I told this story not long ago about somebody who came to me a few years ago and said, Pastor, I see clouds coming from the west and engulfing you in this storm. And my reaction to that was, I don't want to hear that. But whether I wanted to hear it or not, the storm came. Come on, somebody. Storms are a part of our life. And many times what all we see is the destructive nature of storms. Years ago, when, when my wife and I were first married, there was a tornado. A, a sirens went off and we were living in a little apartment. We got in the bathtub because the path of the storm was coming straight for our town. And, and thankfully, the, the storm missed us, but it went about five miles to the east of us. And they have video of this tornado going back and forth down Main Street of this town and literally obliterated this entire town. Many times when we think of storms, we see the destructive nature. We see the destructive impact that it has on, in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm. People that have gone through difficulties and hardships and trials and troubles. But ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you today that your storm has a purpose. In this life, you will have tribulation. The Bible is abundantly clear that we're going to go through storms. Matthew 5 and 45 says that the rain falls on the just and on the unjust. It's not an indicator of how right or how wrong you are. It falls on everybody in life. Job 14.1 says in essence that life is short and full of trouble. John 16, 33, I already quoted it, but it says, in this life, you shall have tribulation. We could translate that another way that says, in this life, you will experience the storm. And there are many others that I could reference here today, but I think it's important that we understand that your storm has a purpose. I read a blog many uh, years ago, and, and here's what this blog said. It said, I had always thought of hurricanes as something mankind could do without, but recently I learned that they are necessary to maintain a balance in nature. Tropical storms with winds up to 150 miles an hour and accompanied by torrential rains, glaring lightning and rumbling thunder can be devastating. Yet scientists tell us they are tremendously valuable. They dissipate a large percentage of the oppressive heat which builds up at the equator. And they are indirectly responsible for much of the rainfall in North and South America. Meteorologists, meteorologists therefore, no longer use cloud seeding techniques to prevent them from being formed. They are convinced that hurricanes actually do more good than they do harm. I've just come to tell somebody in this place today, the storm that you think is bringing destruction into your life may actually be doing more good than it is harm. I want to encourage somebody in this house today that it seems like all hell is breaking loose in your life and everything is going wrong. I want you to know that there is a purpose in your storm. It's not coincidental. It's not accidental. And it's not for your destruction, but it's for your good. Aren't you glad today that we have the promise that we serve the God of the storm? We serve the God who's in control of everything. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Come on, how many of you need the peace of God in your life? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Come on, somebody. It's time that the church understands that the storm has a purpose and we don't just hold on and try to make it through. But Paul said we glory 
glory in the storm. Why? We know that the tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What was Paul saying? He's saying your storm has a purpose. It's producing something in you that you can't find on the mountaintop. It's producing something in you that is not produced when everything is going right and there's money in the bank and everybody's well and healthy and everything is smooth sailing but there's something about going through the storm that you grab a hold of the anchor of hope and say I have peace in my life because God is my hope. Your storm has a purpose. It's producing something in you that is so vital and it's so necessary for your walk with God. And we have the promises of God. Romans 8, 28 says all things work together for good. All things, not some, not the things that we think we're working for our good, but all things, the storms are working together for our good. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. I know that we're living in tumultuous times in our world. There are so many things that are going on. Many people today are facing fear about their health. Many people are facing fear about your finances. There are people in this room today who are struggling financially because of the impact of the last several months. There are people in this room, my God, I feel my help coming on right now. There are people in this room right now that are struggling emotionally because of their whole world has been thrown into chaos, separation, anxiety, fear about the health. But I've come to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Our God is in control. We may not see it today. We may not understand why. We may not understand everything that is going on. But we as children of God have a peace that passes all understanding. Because we know that through it all, God has a plan and God has a purpose. The enemy's not in control of your life today. The enemy's not in control of your health today or your finances today. Your God is in control. Is it okay if we just kind of we just kind of teach just a little bit here today? Is that all right? First Corinthians chapter four, he starts out by saying, "Therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry is he talking about?" You have to go back and read First Corinthians chapter three because he talks about he talks about how that Moses had to hide his face from the children of Israel because he had been up in the in the presence of God up in the mountain and when he came down the glory of God shone in him so brightly that he had to cover his face because the ministration of the law brought death. But Paul said, you don't have the ministration of the law. You don't have a ministry of death, a ministry that that brings condemnation. He said, you have two ministries. You have a ministry of the Holy Spirit, and you have the ministry of righteousness. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful today that you are full of the Holy Ghost? Listen to me. Listen to me, Apostolic Church. God did not fill you with the Holy Ghost just so that we can come into church on Sunday, speak in tongues a little bit, get some Holy Ghost goosebumps, feel good about ourselves, and walk out. He filled us with the Holy Ghost so we could have hope and peace in this world and so that we could be an example to the rest of the world. He said, you don't have to hide your face anymore, but let the ministry of the Holy Ghost shine through you so that that people can see that there's something different going on in your life that they, oh my God in heaven can I tell you what our world needs is they need to see the Holy Ghost working in your life they need to see the spirit of I wish I could get some Pentecostals to help me today the Holy Ghost is more than just goosebumps and feeling good on Sunday it's so that you can be a light into a dark world people that desperately need, they're feeling condemnation, they're feeling guilt they're feeling hopelessness but when they see the Holy Ghost working in you
And he said the ministration, the ministry of righteousness, what was he talking about? The law said you need to be holy, but in their flesh, your, our own righteousness, the prophet said, are filthy rags before the Lord. We can't do it by ourselves. But the working of the Holy Ghost, he imputes his righteousness unto us. Come on, somebody. So now we're not, we're not li- uh, living an exercise of futility, but the Holy Ghost begins working righteousness in us producing righteousness come on somebody we've got a ministry of grace and mercy to a lost world we don't tell people that you don't have to be bound by uh, all of the things of this world addictions and habits on to bring guilt and condemnation we tell them that if you just allow the holy ghost to begin to work in your life god will begin to change the things that you cannot change by yourself come on our world needs to hear the message of the holy ghost they need to see the holy ghost we used to sing that old song jesus on the inside working on the outside oh what a change in my life the world needs to see it in action not just hear our words did you hear what I just said he needs to the the world needs to see in action not just us talking about it not just us telling everybody what's wrong not just us telling everybody how wrong they are they need to see us who, who, who were dead in our sins and trespasses us who were lost us who were hopeless us who were bound they need to see us who had all kinds of issues and problems but God who is rich in mercy, but God came and reached down and picked us up out of the miry clay. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful today for the working of the Holy Ghost in your life? Are you thankful that it's the Holy Ghost? If we think we can make somebody righteous by giving them a list of rules then we've just reinstituted the working of the law. That's what the law was. The law was that if you want to approach God, then you just abide by these rules. God didn't, the, 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 when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just, he didn't, he didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. So now you no longer have to, to, to be obligated to the rules of the law. But now he imputes his righteousness into us. And so in his grace and in his mercy, he, he aligns us. He just, you know what justified means? It means makes us lined up. He makes us lined up with his word. And we're on this journey to be like him and to be righteous like him. Come on, somebody. We have a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have a ministry of righteousness, not mean-spirited, not ugly, not cramming it down somebody's throat, not telling somebody that we're better than they are, but telling them, if Jesus did it for me. Come on. Anybody believe that today? If Jesus changed me, he can change you. If Jesus brought me out, he can bring you out. If Jesus made my life full of hope and peace, he can do the same for you. That must be the message of the church. That must be the message of the church. He said, he said we have this ministry. I'm getting sidetracked. What time is it? I can't see. They got the time block back there, so we'll just keep preaching until I'm done, I guess. I don't know. Just, it's, it's not my fault. They, oh, they moved it now. Thanks a lot. I had a moment there. I was like, oh, boy, it's a license just to preach till whenever. I mean, I know, I know, I know. I can preach till whenever, but in, at noon, some of you are going to leave anyway, so I'm just saying, just well, praise God. <laughs> Sorry, it just came out. I tried to run the filter, and the filter just defected there for a moment. He said, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. Did you hear that? We've, as believers, we've got to be ministers of mercy. Not not ministers of judgment. Not ministers of condemnation. Not ministers of guilt. Ministers of mercy. Why? Because we received mercy. I don't 
don't forgive people because I'm so good and so righteous and such a great judge. I forgive people because I've been forgiven. And in light of what he's forgiven me, how can I hold somebody else accountable for something that they've done wrong to me? Come on, somebody. As we have received mercy, we become ministers of mercies. To the same way you measure out judgment to others is the same way judgment is going to be measured out to you. Come on, I think the church needs to boldly declare there is grace and there is mercy for every man, woman, boy, and girl, everybody. There is great. It is amazing grace. I said, it is amazing. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how bad you think you've been, how, many, how much wrong you think you've done. The blood is still more powerful. The blood has power over whatever your past is. I'm going to preach the message of mercy. I'm going to keep preaching hope to our world. You don't have to keep acknowledging for the rest of your life that you're an alcoholic. You can say, I used to be an alcoholic, but now I'm set free. I used to be a drug addict, but now I've been delivered. I used to be, I used to be, but thanks, thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy. Somebody ought to praise him right now. You need to testify what you used to be until Jesus came and found you, until Jesus came and changed you. You ought to thank him right now. I used to be, but God changed my life. Today's Greg's five-year birthday, five or six? Five years ago, this man was baptized in Jesus' name. And look what God has done in five years. The change that God, you know, that's the grace and that's the mercy of God. That's why the, that's why we got to get into the streets. Greg came to us because of a block party. And now look what the Lord has done. The anointing of God is on this man's life. The power of the Holy Ghost is on this man's life. There's no telling what he's going to do in the kingdom of God. Because the grace and the mercy of God, it's relentless. It's relentless. It's pursuing the lost. If we want to be the church of Jesus, we've got to be ministers of mercy to a lost world. Man, y'all are messing me up. I'm getting sidetracked. I said, we're going to teach. That's just teaching with a little energy is all that is. We have, a, we have a responsibility to be ministers of mercy, ministers of the Holy Spirit, ministers of righteousness. He filled you. You don't have, Listen to me. Listen to me. I thank God for Bible college. You ain't got to go to Bible college to be a minister. You, 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 don't, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You don't have a license to preach to be a minister. Every single person in this room, if you have been the beneficiary and the recipient of the grace and the mercy of God, you have become a minister of the Holy Spirit. And a listen, somebody is watching you, whether you know it or not. Whether you understand it, somebody is looking at you, and we need to we need to analyze. We need to take some self evaluation this morning and analyze: Am I perpetuating the message of hope and the message of peace and the message of the Holy Spirit, or am I am I am I perpetuating a message of guilt and condemnation? And Paul said, because we have been the recipients of mercy, Brother Stokes, we faint not. We faint not. Because we have been blessed by God so much. Because of the ministry that, 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 that is residing on us, we will not lose heart. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, you better not lose heart. Don't 
lose heart. There's too much riding. Listen to me. I'm, I'm appealing in the name of Jesus. There is too much riding on what God is doing in your life. There are too many people that God wants to influence through your life for you to lose faith and lose hope and lose your heart because we understand the mercy of God and the grace of God. Come on, somebody. He has never failed me yet. I said he has never failed me yet. I might get tired. I might get a little weary. I might not always understand it. But at the end of the day, my testimony is, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed bent. He's never failed me yet. Don't you throw in the towel yet, child of God. Don't you give up on him yet. Don't get weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you will reap what you sow. Don't lose heart. Can we talk plain for just a moment? Man, with everything going in, all, in, in our world right now, there have been moments in my life where I'm just like, Ugh. anybody relate to that? I mean, there have been moments where I'm just like, where's the eject button? Get me out of here. You know, you, you, you scroll through Facebook, you scroll through Twitter for about five minutes, and you run the gamut of emotions. You, you, you want to murder somebody, you want to hug somebody and pray for them. And can, can, is that just me? Is it just me? God, forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. I don't want to murder them. It's not in my heart. It really isn't. I don't want to murder them. Just a little, just hurt them a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Just everything that's going on in our world. All the confusion and this and that and everything, all, all the stuff going on. Just my wife loves to say her, her her phrase is all the things. When you don't know what else to say, just all the things. All the things going on in our world. And it's so easy to get weary and to get tired and to let your heart start to faint just a little bit and start to feel like I just don't know. I just I just want to just I just want to go to a remote island somewhere. Can I get a witness from somebody? I just I just want to get away. But can I tell you, listen, because we have been the beneficiaries of the mercy of God. God did not design for us to isolate ourselves on so, some remote island somewhere so that we can be peaceful and not have any troubles and not have any hardships. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Jesus told, uh, 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 they, they, they prophesied over Paul. He said, I've pulled you out so that I can send you right back. That's what God does in our lives is he pulls us out of this world. He redeems us by his blood. Why? So he can send us right back to be messengers of hope into a lost world, to be messengers of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I'm encouraging you, church. Don't get weary. Don't get weary in preaching truth. Don't get weary in preaching hope. Don't get weary in preaching the mercy of God. Don't get weary in being the light of Jesus in this world. Don't get weary. Because of the mercy that we've received. He said, we faint not. Verse 8 says, we are pressed, hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. My God, he's reading my story right here. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. At times I feel persecuted. But listen to me. But I don't feel forsaken. Come on, this is in the book. You might feel like you're going through something that is un, uh, that, that, that you don't deserve. You might feel like that you're going through something that you didn't ask for. But here's what I want you to know. You are not forsaken. He has not left you. 
Yes, you might be persecuted. Yes, you might be going through a season of hardship, but you are not forsaken. He said, he said, struck down but not destroyed. He said, don't get distressed. Don't get in despair. Don't feel forsaken and don't be destroyed. Sometimes you just got to make up in your mind. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to lose heart. That phrase, thank not means we're not going to lose heart. I'm not going to lose my hope. I'm not going to lose the work of the Holy Ghost in my spirit and in my life. Why? Verse 15 says it. In the NIV it says this. All this is for your benefit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold on. Persecution? Despair? Crushed? Hard pressed? And Paul says, all this is for you. All of this is for your benefit. Why? So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Listen to me. Your storm has a purpose. Your suffering has a purpose. Your trial and tribulation has a purpose. Because in your trial and tribulation, people see the glory of God. People see the working of the Holy Ghost in you. Not when everything is going right. Not when everything is smooth sailing. Not when you have enough money. Not when everything is right in your world. But when everything is falling apart. When everything is coming against you. Paul said all of this is done for your benefit. So that the glory of God becomes, it's reaching more. It's reaching more people. What if we could trans, transfer our view and perspective and stop looking at the storm just of how it impacts me? But, to, but start to think, maybe, just maybe, God is directing me into my storm because there's somebody that needs to be reached with this message. And then he said this. He said, All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may do what? May cause thanksgiving to overflow. You want to know how to get through your storm? Y'all ready? Get off of Facebook. <laughs> Stop telling everybody how bad it is. Stop telling everybody how awful it is. And allow the storm to produce thanksgiving. What is the thanksgiving? The thanksgiving is this. If it had not been for the Lord. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would have been swallowed up a long time ago. Thanksgiving says there's a bigger purpose. There's a bigger plan. And I'm thankful that he considered me worthy to be a light into this world. Allow the storm to produce thanksgiving in you. And as it produces thanksgiving in you, his purpose and his plan comes to pass. What is our reflex when something goes wrong? What's our reflex? Get mad? Complain? Am I the only one? I don't have a dog, but I wouldn't kick it anyway, but I would maybe think about it. When things go wrong, when troubles hit our lives, our first reflex is to ask why. Why is this happening? I don't understand this. This stinks. I wish this wasn't happening in my world. What would happen if we would say, God, you have a plan. God, you have a purpose. There's a reason. I may not be able to see it today, but if I'll just hold on, I'll see it tomorrow. I'll see it maybe the next day. Somewhere down the line, I will see the purpose of this storm. I'm closing. Verse 16, again, Paul goes back and he says, when you understand that your storm has a purpose, when you understand that all that you're going through 
Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him everything you're going through has a purpose. He said, when you understand this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Do you catch a theme of what Paul is trying to say here to people? He understands when things are tough and when things are bad that one of the first things that happen is that we become, we, we lose heart. One, tr one translation says that that literally means that, that we become cowardly. That, that, that we start backing up. We start being fearful. And Paul said, you can't allow your storms to make you into cowards. Don't lose your heart. Even though your outward man is perishing, here's what your promise is. The inward man. Even though you're sick in body. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Even though you're sick in your body and we know and believe that God is a healer. When he does not heal, your outward man might be perishing. But God has a spirit of renewal and refreshing that will come to your inner man. He'll come and Sometimes you got to just get alone with God and say, God, I'm suffering on the outside, but I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost in my spirit. I need the rain of the Holy Ghost to come and to fill my heart. I'm strengthened. I'm renewed in the inner. That's why you got to praise him through the storm. That's why you got to praise him through the trial because it invites the power and the presence of God into your life. See, what the storm tries to do is what the enemy always tries to do is use your troubles and difficulties to isolate you away from God, to keep you away from God. But you got to have a reflex in your spirit that says when everything's going wrong, I'm going to hit my knees in prayer. I'm going to lift my hands in worship because my inward man constantly needs renewal. Listen to me. Discouragement is deadly. Numbers chapter 21 children of Israel come out of great battles. They've been fighting so many battles on their journey to the promised land. they just come out of a great victory. They come to another place. They wanted to pass a certain way and the king said, no, you can't pass this way. The other king said, no, we're going to fight you if you come this way. And Numbers chapter 21 verse 4, very powerful verse of scripture, says the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And when the soul of the people was much discouraged, watch what happened. They started murmuring against God. Discouragement is deadly. And because of their murmuring and complaining, God sent judgment on them. But watch this. Out of that experience, out of that discouragement, you know what the remedy was? The remedy was Moses was instructed to say, take a serpent and raise it on the pole, a brazen serpent, raise it on a pole. And whoever could catch a glimpse of that would be healed from being stung by the serpent. And Jesus said, just as Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He said, and I... If I be lifted up, we'll draw all men. Even out of discouragement that brought judgment, God said, I'm going to bring redemption to people. Come on. Discouragement can be deadly. Discouragement can get in your spirit. It poisons your soul. It poisons your heart when you get discouraged. It poisons your spirit when you get discouraged. But I've got good news for you. If you've been in that place, all you got to do is catch a glimpse of the price that Jesus paid on Calvary and he will restore you and he will replenish your energy inner man he will strengthen you in the inner man stand please Paul said verse 17 for our light affliction which is but for a moment watch this is working for us A far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Here's what you need to do today, child of God. Can I tell you what you need to do? How many of you would be honest enough to say, maybe today you're going through a storm. Raise your hand. You feel like your life is in the middle of a storm. 
Can I tell you what you need to do this morning? You need to look your storm right in the eye. And you need to let that storm know you're working for me today. I'm not subjected to you. You're working for me. Not because I'm anything. Not because I have any power. But because I serve the God of the storm. And this light affliction is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Your storm is working for you. It's working for your good. It's working for your behalf. And Paul wraps it all up. While we do not, not, not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What God is birthing in you, child of God, is more than what you can see with the natural eye. It's more than just money and cars and boats and houses and jobs and all of that stuff. All of those things, will they're, they're temporary. They'll burn up. They'll go away. But God is working something eternal in you. And how does he do it? Sometimes, sometimes, he tells the disciples, fellas, I want us to get in the boat. Knowing full well that in just a few hours, there's going to be one of the greatest storms they've ever experienced in their lives. Why? Because on the other side of that storm, there was a man who had been bound by a legion of devils. And Jesus was unafraid to send his body into the storm to reach the lost. But not only did Jesus have a purpose to reach the lost man, but when the disciples came down to Jesus in the middle of the storm and said, Jesus, uh, why are you sleeping? Don't you care that we're going to die? Don't you care that we're going to perish in this storm? Jesus calmly walked to the bow of that ship and said, peace, be still. Now watch this. And the disciples stood in amazement and in awe They had seen Jesus heal blind people. They had seen Jesus heal deaf people. They had seen Jesus heal lepers. They had seen Jesus multiply fishes and loaves. They had seen Jesus do all kinds of miracles. But it was in the storm that they finally got a revelation. And they said, what manner of man is this? That even nature, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There are some revelations that you can only get by going through a storm. I've seen Jesus do some amazing things, but it's been in the darkest moments of my life where I've gotten the revelation of who He really is. And how awesome and how powerful he is. I just want to tell somebody this morning, your storm, your storm is not an accident. Your storm is not just some random act of nature. See, the things we look at out in, this, out, out in, in the world, in the physical world, we think is just some random act of nature. But all of it has design. All of it has order. All of it has a plan. The storm that you're in, the storm that you're going through, I believe the storm that we're in as a world, our nation, our city, the storms that we're in, our storm has a purpose. Our storm has a purpose and a plan. And my encouragement today is don't lose heart don't allow the storm to steal your faith don't allow the storm to rob your faith in God